You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Rod Dog, and on the Riotcast Podcast Network. Dan Natterman here, coming to you all the way from the island of Aruba, located approximately 20 kilometers north of Venezuela. I'm here on a working vacation with us, of course, Noam Dorman the owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar, Periel Ashenbrand, our producer. We also have with us Joe Mackey, Comedy Cellar favorite, and hopefully we'll be all working together soon, Joe. Joe is a comedian. He is part of the, the, new, the new wave, the Young Guns, the Mark Normans, the Sam Morals, uh, who else is there? Uh, Phil Hanley, etc. that whole new generation that's coming along, and Joe Mackey is part of that scene. We have with us Michael J. Stern. 30 years experience as a litigator. He looks young, but he has 30 years experience as a litigator. 25 years as a federal prosecutor for the U.S. Department of Justice. Three years as an assistant DA. Two years as defense counsel. There's a lot more about him, and we'll get to discussing that. Uh, but before we do, does anybody have any questions about the island of Aruba? Before we <laughs> before we uh, get into uh, Michael J. Stern. I heard that prostitution is legal there. Uh, I don't know if it's legal or decriminalized or just people look the other way. But right now, given the situation with COVID, um, I don't know, uh, business is down, needless <laughs> to say, um, as it is with, you know, as it is with, with comedy. Um, but it, it, if it's not legal, it's tolerated. All right. Like Joe, you. Have you been down here with Aruba Ready? What's that? I'm asking Joe Mackey if he's oh. been here. In no, Aruba. I've not been to Aruba. You you have no interest in performing on the Aruba Ready uh, Aruba show? Uh, not a, lot of friends, a, a lot of your friends have been down here. Mark Norman will be here, I believe, and 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 Chris Stefano as well. A lot of comedians look at it as a as a vacation, uh, but I I don't know I. I don't want to take a vacation. I want to keep working, so. Well, let, let's, I want to bring in Mr. Stern, but I do want to say, we can talk about it later after, after he, he's gone, that, that Joe um, has, I don't know if this is the case here, but Joe has a lot of anxiety about things. I mean, I've known him, like, you know, about decisions, going places, things like that. So maybe we could discuss that later, because Dan also um, sweats a lot of things. So uh, I don't know if that's yeah, the reason. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a working vacation. You know, you, you, you get to perform, but... But uh, if you're not down with it, you're not down with it. I'm certainly not going to try to convince you. So, Noam, I know that Michael's somebody you've been looking forward to speaking with, so I'll let you take over. I cover the Aruba portion of the podcast, and you can... And just let me say, I've never prosecuted or defended a case in Aruba, so I've got nothing on that topic. Well, Aruba is a Dutch, I believe it's a Dutch, I don't know if a colony is the right word, or a protectorate, or whatever, but... Um, so I don't know whether Dutch law would apply. Actually, Mr. Stern, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about your, your Trump stuff as, as we bid adieu to Trump. But uh, I am interested, um, 
I didn't realize you were a prosecutor. Had you ever had to prosecute people for uh, laws that you really had, you know, problems with, like let's say pro prosecuting prostitutes or you know a law which you really didn't agree with at all, but you're forced to prosecute? Yeah, I when I was a DA, a baby DA, many many decades ago, I did prosecute a nuisance case related to prostitution, but it was more than just prostitution. There was a lot of other illegal activity going on. There were um, drug deals going on. There were needles being left in residential neighborhoods. And so I was comfortable doing that. I don't know if I would have been completely comfortable prosecuting exclusively a, a prostitution case, but um, fortunately, most of the cases, if not all of them, that I prosecuted, I felt very strongly about. I will say once again, uh, Michael, I guess I'll call you Michael, would that be the most appropriate thing? Mike, uh, Michael. I, I will say that for somebody that's been, uh, that was a baby prosecutor many years ago, you certainly look like you're in good shape. You're, for whatever age you are. Uh, I'm almost 60, but I'm loving this show already. Almost <laughs> 60, are you kidding me? No. That's amazing. That so, is unbelievable. I would have said you were younger than Joe Mackey. When can I come back and do I get the same compliment next time? <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you age significantly next time. I will try not to. If you look the same, you'll get roughly the same compliments. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's a special place in hell for uh, people who, in my opinion, who have sent people to jail for crimes that um, they, you know, that they commit themselves, like all the people who gone to jail for marijuana, or what was it, Elliot Spitzer, who was who was prosecuting prostitutes, like ramping up prosecution of prostitutes while he himself was calling high-class call girls. It well, takes a special kind of person to do such well, well, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on the hypocrisy there. But unless eating huge amounts of chocolate cake and chocolate chip cookies and ice cream is a crime, I think I'm good on that front. <laughs> All right. What, what is the what is the uh, choice that you have as a prosecutor? You're you're given a case to prosecute. Do you have the option of saying, "Well, I can't prosecute this case because I do the same thing." Is that is that an option? Well, you would then be admitting to committing a crime to the head prosecutor. So my guess is that doesn't happen a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could do that if you wanted. I think that there would probably have been. There could have been instances in which I would have been put in that situation. I'm fortunate um, that I wasn't. But I think, I think certainly people have smoked marijuana who have prosecuted marijuana cases. That's my guess. That's what first comes to mind as a circumstance like that. And prostitution case. People have, what, have, what, uh, what have should, had prostitutes. What, what should a DA do when presented with a case uh, uh, you know, pro, uh, a, a marijuana case, let's say, and he's a marijuana user. What, what morally, in a moral, perfect moral universe, what should that prosecutor do? You know, if it were me, I would probably go to my supervisor and say, I don't feel comfortable prosecuting this case. Um, and then there would be a discussion that would ensue that would potentially get the prosecutor in trouble. But, you know, certainly at the federal level, a lot of us go through, well, all of us go through extensive background checks. And so any type of prior drug use that we've had should come up when the FBI does a background check. Certainly things came up um, in my FBI background check that I would preferred didn't come up that caused me some issues. Um, Anything good? 
Well, I'm gay, and that came up, and, you know, this was 1989 when I first joined the Department of Justice, and, you know, I was young, very young. I had just come from a DA's office, and you get hired, and then there's a period of three or four or five or six months in which your background check is done, and, and two FBI agents walked into my office and shut the door, and I knew something was not good at that point, and they asked me if I led an alternative lifestyle, so... I'm well, sweating a little bit at that time. You know, it's interesting because because being gay, um, you must have a special sympathy for what we're talking about now because how many people have turned out to have been gay themselves who were making life miserable, you know, railing against homosexuality in churches and in government. I mean, just a disgusting history of that stuff, right? Yeah, look at Eric Schock just came out as gay and he was a very anti-gay congressman for a long time from Illinois. So what about yeah, J. Edgar Hoover? Yeah, exactly. So it happens a lot. And, you know, that's one of the examples. If, if in fact, let's say there were um, some type of a law that prevented, you know, gays from having contact, sexual contact with one another, and I were asked to prosecute that type of a law, I, I wouldn't do it. Okay. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, so you, you wrote like a, a column in USA Today um, about Trump. And but just, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I, just so you know, prior, we're not a pro-Trump podcast. I think all of us, me, Dan, and Periello are on record uh, saying that we thought Biden was the best choice. However, I think Dan and I are, are much more Trump open than, than you and Periel are. Periel is is the most left that any person can be. So you don't, which makes her, you almost don't have to ask what her opinion is um, because it's, uh, you, you can't find anything which is not totally predictable about her opinions on things. So that, that's my take on Perel, but go ahead and ask her opinion. Well, what about I, Joe Mackey? We didn't get the Joe Mackey. I don't know, but, we'll get, but I don't put Joe on the spot. He can, he, can, he can chime in as he wants, but I want to go Joe, was that a compliment? Were you just paying me a compliment? I couldn't tell. <laughs> I Listen. just want to include Joe because we haven't thus far. We will. Um, I, I, I don't want to say, no, it's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not necessarily a, a criticism. I mean, maybe you're right about every opinion that you have. And, and you know, I'm just saying that um, y your opinions, I, I pretty much know, I don't ever have to call Periel and say, hey, hey, what do you think about this? You know, I, kind of, I just kind of know. But anyway. So you wrote, you wrote a, a common USA Today, um, and you, you started it saying, this is going to be a scorched earth column. And you made a lot of accusations about Trump. And let's just go through them for the hell of it, and I'll tell you where I disagree with you, and you can stand by it. We, we, um, like I said, we're not, I'm not trying to convince you to be, think that Trump was a good president or was the person to vote for, because that's not my opinion. But I do think that um, the truth is not quite as obvious as some people make it out. So anyway. So I'll read a little bit. He said, um, uh, after Trump, after spending four years watching him spew unbridled bigotry. So let's, let's talk about that, because that's always something I'm, in, in my heart of hearts, I'm actually unsure about. What would you, what's the best example of his unbridled bigotry in your opinion? Well, I don't know what the best example is, if you had to list them all, but there are a lot of them. He referred to Mexicans generally as rapists and murderers. He's gone to court on behalf of the government and, and directed the Department of Justice to argue that gay people should be able to be fired from their jobs simply because they're gay. 
Um, he's referred okay. so, to, so, so, so. He's, he created a Muslim ban. I mean, don't get me started. Okay, so let's start, let's take them one at a time. Sure. So, and then everybody, so the Mexican one um, is actually one where I, I quite agree with you um, that it was offensive and I felt it at the time. However, I, I also do think, um, and given what we heard since then, that he was speaking carelessly. He was, you know, there was, a, there was an important case in the news at the time of someone who had crossed over the border a number of times and came in to commit murder. And this was a but, but he wasn't talking about that case. He was talking more broadly. And this is sort of the excuse from a lot of people who create excuses for Trump, which is that his language is careless. And I don't believe that his language is careless. When it is important to him, he knows exactly what he's saying. Simply because we don't like what he's saying, we find it grotesque and offensive, doesn't yeah. mean he didn't intend to say it. And you know how we know that? We know that because he never changes his, his uh, you know, stance, he never apologizes or withdraws what he says. Well, so okay. for instance, as another example, when he said there are very fine people on both sides, he was given ample opportunity over and over and over again to prove that he wasn't being anti-Semitic and a bigot, and he chose not to. No, no, no. That one you're, let's not, that one you're not correct about. He, did, he actually said in that, in that very statement, I'm not talking about the white supremacists. I, I, I denounced them on category. I'll, I'll actually look it up while someone else talking. But the Mexican thing, I, I would say in your behalf uh, that he had ample, he had ample opportunity to, to say, listen, I didn't, it came out badly, and I, and I didn't mean it that way. And he didn't say that. And that, you know, you can't defend him on that. On the other hand, he never went back to that well again. And he did, he did always, he, he never made that mistake again. And, um, but that's not true. He made all sorts of similar mistakes. He created a whole ban on a category of human no, beings. No, let's not, let's not, John, I'm talking about the Mexican thing. Let's not. He, he, um, he never put it that way again. And the, the truth is, he never, ever, 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 ever apologizes for anything. Well, that must mean that that must mean that you know he doesn't think that what he's doing is wrong. People who believe what they're no. doing is wrong have a tendency to apologize, and he doesn't do that. So this yeah, is but but no, but we know this is no, a character no. flaw. Hold on, but it is a character flaw for sure. But we do know that this is kind of the, the Roy Cohn philosophy that he was taught. He won't. I, I, what I'm saying is that in, in so many cases where it would be in his interest to apologize which wouldn't mean he was admitting to being a bigot or anything like that. He simply doesn't apologize. But anyway, okay, so I'm gonna give you the, the Mexican one. The, the next one you said was what? I, I mentioned that he directed the Department of Justice to go to the Supreme Court and argue oh, that gay oh, people right. should so be, that's able not, to be fired that's, because that's, they're gay. So that's not actually accurate. It is. Well, he was arguing, correct me if I'm wrong, they were arguing that the, 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 the act, was it the Civil Rights Act of 64? I don't know which one it was, um, didn't cover homosexuality. Yes. Right. Yeah. right. And that's, a, that's certainly a, a credible legal argument. I mean, obviously, for anybody who believes in you know, textualism or whatever it is, they would have to say, no, this isn't what it doesn't mean they, they want gay people to be fired. It, means it wasn't that, that credible an argument, given that a Supreme Court that he stacked ruled against him. Well, but Gorsuch, a conservative. Well, I, think, I thought, I have to be honest with you, I'm happy the case came out the way it did, but I don't think Gorsuch's argument 
made sense. You're saying the Supreme Court, the conservative Supreme Court that went against the conservative Trump administration was senseless. Okay. Yeah, that's, that, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like Roe versus Wade. I think Roe versus Wade was senseless. And I agree that and I'm pro-choice. I mean, the, the law says that you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And then Gorsuch basically says, I'm trying to remember that, that sexual preference is sex. Well, say sexual preference, sexual preference is very different than sexual orientation. Or sexual orientation is sex. Um, but obviously, that's not what they meant when they passed the law, because they could have said that in the law. No, nobody, if I, if I fire someone because they're gay, God forbid, I'm not firing them because uh, of their, they're a male or a female. I'm firing them because I disapprove of their right, behavior. The, the argument that prevailed that the conservative Gorsuch accepted was that sex includes different permutations of sex. And this whole notion- Okay, well, let me, let, let, let me stop you there. Hold on, hold on, let me just, let me just so we can move past it. There are, for instance, Andrew Sullivan, who's gay, and nobody's uh, more credible on the issue of gay rights than Andrew Sullivan. Well, that's you know, not true. Well, he's, he's basically the father of gay marriage. Um, he, he also tweeted out a bit that he thought Gorsuch's opinion was, he was, was, was a stretch. It's, you can't, I don't think you could call it unbridled bigotry to say that anybody who thinks that Gorsuch was wrong, therefore, I mean, so call me, you see, this is why, this is why I liked your comment, because I'm like, well, I don't think Gorsuch's opinion was right, so am I an unbridled bigot? No. But I never said that. I never said that anyone who didn't believe that Gorsuch was correct was an unbridled bigot. I said that Trump was an unbridled bigot, and I've given you multiple examples. We're still okay. trying and, to and, and parse the, the second one of them, though. No, I, I'm saying I give, I'm kind of giving you the first one, but I, I don't fully. But I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you 51. percent I, I, I mean, I. I wouldn't want to have to go to court and defend them, defend the what charges. About, what, about, what about excluding all transgender from military when they had been in the military working just fine? Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, the, the Muslim so one. I'm, I'm two and a half for three so far. Yeah. I think the Muslim about, one. Can I add one? No, let, me just get, let me handle the third and I'm going to bow yeah, out for a while. So the Muslim one, we know what she thinks. The Muslim one, I happen to have had three conversations with Arabic people in the last month, all three who told me they agreed with the so-called Muslim ban, the travel ban. One of them is extremely uh, uh, pro, um, you know, anti, I don't wanna say pro-Muslim. He's extremely to the left in politics. And he's like, no, we all, you'd be, he said, you'd be amazed at how many Arabic people support this travel ban because we are scared the way other people are of the, of the, of the chaos in these countries. And he says something interesting, he says, he says, and we know better than the American public, we understand better than the American public understand how bullshit background checks are and screening is from certain parts of the world. So, you know, and, these, and, of course, these, and of course, these were countries identified by the Obama administration. But go ahead, I'm, I'm trying to put nuance on all this. I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to rehabilitate Trump into Barack Obama. 
So go ahead, Muriel. There's always going to be some mechanism by which you can shave off the sharp edge and make it appear a little bit more blunt. But when you stand back and you look at the object, you've still got a sledgehammer. And the sledgehammer from Trump is that he has a tremendous amount of racism and bigotry that not only does he personally believe, but that he tries to implement into law. Yeah, but go, I'm going to let Joe talk, and then I want to go on. Go, go ahead, Joe. Oh, it's important to note it only it only covers 12% of the world's Muslims, and it also included North Korea, which isn't a, an Islamic nation. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, don't you think it's curious that the Muslim ban did not include any of the countries where he has financial interest? Well, I, it, I don't. I, Saudi I don't, Arabia, you mean? Like Saudi Arabia, you can probably trust a background check more than you do in Yemen. I, I think that was the reasoning that went into it, but I, I mean, that's. Listen, I, I don't object to stronger and more stringent and effective background checks. That's never been something that I would say. And in fact, I wrote a column, I think it was also for USA Today, that got me in trouble with some people on the left in which I said, every government, every nation has the right to decide who it's going to let into its borders. But those decisions, at least in the United States, should not be made on things like religion, race, sexuality. It wasn't made on religion. Things like that. But I have no problem, and I support the idea that we should make every effort that we can stringently to avoid letting people into the country who we think are going to harm Americans or American interests. Well, it, I, you know, the, the notion that you should not have religious restrictions on immigration is sounds about right, although a religion is an ideology. And isn't an ideology fair game? Uh, for example, if I decided that my religion uh, was, uh, I have a religion and God has commanded me to, that, that gay people are evil and that they should be physically assaulted in the streets. Sort of, uh, like, the Christ, sort of like the Christian religion that has women being stoned to death for certain offenses that well, are, I, are perfectly acceptable now, sort of like that. Okay, fair enough. Say, say, but I assume that most Christians no longer believe that. But say, and I assume that most Muslims no longer, or, or don't, and I don't know enough about Islam and, and Muslims to know specifically that they're not coming to the United States to blow up the country and kill Americans. As a general proposition, I'm just saying, shouldn't we... I'm just saying as a general proposition, the notion that religion should not be under any circumstances a criterion, I think is uh, misguided in that any but any Nazis could have said our religion dictates that we have these beliefs, uh, theoretically. And God has come, you know, Hitler, I guess, was an atheist, but suppose the Nazis said, actually, God is telling us, the Norse god Woden is telling us. And by the way, some white supremacists do. Okay. Uh, so, so, so let me say this. If there is an overlap between one's religion and a clear and convincing idea that the purpose of coming into the United States is to cause harm to Americans or American interests, sure, yes, then that overlap could be considered. But that's not what happened here. And it's not plausible to believe that Muslims as a whole come into the United States. Every Muslim who comes into the United States comes in with a religious belief that they're going to hold, hold on, hold on, Mr. Sir, hold on. Let's just for the record, Trump didn't ban all Muslims. The, the, the law was not based on um, Islam. The law was based on countries 
that were identified by the Obama administration as being um, uh, uh, un 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 unreliable in terms of being able to screen out uh, terrorists. So Trump, I mean, Trump referred to it as the Muslim ban, and his administration did too. And uh, and I, other I, countries I, I don't, like Saudi I don't, Arabia, who are apparently responsible for 9/11, were okay. not banned. Hold on, I I don't know that Trump referred to it as the Muslim ban, but um. I just want to put some things in the record, just if you're listening. So Trump on Mexico, this is what he said. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people who have problems. They're, they're bringing those problems um, with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. They are rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. So, you know, it's... What it, happened to the murderers? Well, so that's what this is I, i'm reading it verbatim it may doesn't i guess I, either either this quote is inaccurate or he didn't say murderers i'm reading it i'm, I'm not i'm not or, or maybe it was it. something else in the same speech or so, a similar speech. go ahead and uh, i mean that's that i just read the quote i thought i had won number one i thought i had won this one we're not backtracking well i know because I, because you know when you, when you see the things we say unbridled bigotry i'm like well you know there's something to what he's saying there you know um, so bridal bigotry. We'll so, bridal. <laughs> so that's what he said. And then also in 2016, he then said, sometimes in the heat of speaking on a multitude of issues, you don't choose your right words. You say the wrong thing. Trump told the crowd, North Carolina, I have done that. And I regret it, particularly where it may have caused personal pain. So to be fair, he did say what I just said. So well, wait, I, I didn't know it actually. I didn't know. I didn't hold on. I didn't know he said that until I just Googled now. Of course, you know that the press didn't make much of the fact that he said such a thing, but he did say it. We have to be fair. Well, um, did he refer back to that issue, or did he just make sort of an out of context? Sometimes I say stupid things. I'm he said I, he, he referred to. No, you're right. Well, he he said exactly what I said. He referred to issues where he caused personal pain, but. Uh, there, you know, I, there's, there's not that many of them. I'm surprised. And then, he, and then he went on for another three and a half years to cause a lot more personal pain. Okay, but see, see, this is, so let me go far because this is where I really, we were just leading up to the thing. So then you say this stuff and you say blatant corruption. I don't know what you mean. I don't, I don't want to, we're getting running out of time. So, but then he says, I can, I can go into that if you want. If you can do it quick without, you know, like what's the most, what, the most blatant corruption? I don't know. Maybe the thing that he got impeached for trying to use American money in order to help his reelection campaign in 2020 by contacting uh, the Ukraine and essentially saying, I won't give you this financial um, amount of hundreds of millions of dollars that's been set for you unless you find fabricated dirt on my political opponent, Joe Biden. Yeah, but he actually didn't. He actually, and, and, and he was impeached for that. So I'm guessing that you were not going to contest that. Well, I, I will because he actually didn't do it, and and um, more, wait 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 he he did Trump didn't do it the Trump money was actually never up. held up but more but more importantly than that if you no, read no, the, but wait a second hold this on let me let me let me let me say and then you can say if you read the transcript he says I I want you to work with the attorney general but what's interesting is that now that I can't believe I'm saying this but it's just the truth now that all this stuff came out about Hunter Biden. Um, I don't think he would have been impeached. Now, I mean, certainly now there was enough smoke that Trump would have the right to say. You've completely uh, moved into a, a separate issue. But no, it's, exa it's the exact same issue. If we had known in 2019 or whenever it was that there was an email where it says, we're going to keep 10% uh, for the big man and that somebody was on record saying the big man was Joe Biden, um, 
certainly nobody at that point can say Trump was not within his rights to ask Ukraine to find out what's going on here. You know, I mean, they couldn't yes. impeach him for that. Yeah, yeah, I take a different position on that. Right, but it's not. I it's not. I it's take not. the position that Trump holding up American funds in order to get dirt on a political opponent to help his reelection campaign yeah. is a violation of both law and the duty that he no has. No violation of law. And, now, now you, now, 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 now you. I'm going to give you. It's not a violation of law. They never accused him of violation of law. You don't do that. You don't get accused for a violation of law necessarily in in an impeachment proceeding because you don't have to have a violation. No, of no, law. no, no. The Department of Justice no. is what prosecutes. This is turning you wrong there. No, you're, you are incorrect there, because I'll tell you why you're incorrect. It says high crimes and misdemeanors. They went for uh, uh, you know abuse of power, which is something which you know many people don't even agree that that's a, a an impeachable issue. There's that's a there's a debate among constitutional scholars about that. What there is no debate about is that you can get impeached for a crime. And many, many people were saying this was bribery. Congressmen were saying, with Schumer said it's bribery, Pelosi said it's bribery. And then when it came down to the articles of impeachment, they did not accuse him of any law breaking. And there was only one, re there's only one plausible reason they didn't accuse him of breaking the law is because they, they felt they couldn't defend it because certainly it would make their case stronger. That is simply not true because look at Michael Cohen, true. Michael Cohn pled guilty to an indictment in the Southern District of New York in relation to in relation to fraud. Donald Trump is listed essentially as a co-conspirator as individual number one. That's a case that I could prove as a federal prosecutor multiple times over with one eye closed and both hands tied behind my back. My oh, Stormy Daniels? But the political- Wait, you're talking about Stormy Daniels? You're talking about Stormy Daniels? Yes, but the political that's, that's absurd. decision- That is absurd. The decision was made that that wouldn't be charged as part of the articles of impeachment, but it's still a crime. No, no, you're, you're, I'm sorry. You, first of all, do you know that they, 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 they dropped that case, uh, the Stormy Daniels case, which I don't know if it was the state or the federal, they, they dropped it. What are you talking about? Michael Cohn pled guilty to it. No, they, they decided not to, to um, charge Trump with it. I'll, I'll bring well, it up in a Trump, second. Trump couldn't be charged with it because the Office of Legal Counsel says that you can't charge sitting presidents. That's why Trump wasn't charged with it. No, you, can, you can't charge him, but you can impeach them for it. That's what impeachment is. You, if you have crimes on a president, you, if you have crimes on a president, you, you can't charge him with it. You're right. You can impeach him for them. Yes, he could have been, but the decision- But they chose, not to, they chose not to accuse him of any that crimes. That doesn't mean that he didn't commit the crime. It, well, then why would they not charge him for them? Why would they not try to impeach him for it? Because they made a political assessment that it was going to be easier and more expedient to prove a limited number of pieces of-, of of crimes and evidence against Trump, rather than presenting the the endless panoply of illegal or unethical things that he's done. Okay, here, so here it is. Here is from the New York Times. Have an impeachment proceeding that was one month rather than six. Okay. They made I, that decision. I, 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 just have, I just have to respectfully disagree. Stormy, De this is the New York Times. I can show no, you the. No, uh, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is important. Just so you know, because he mentioned Stormy Daniels hush money lawsuit is dismissed by judge. A federal judge says they dismissed the lawsuit brought against President Trump and his former lawyers. Uh, the suit, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole case. The law, there was not enough evidence of a crime because essentially, I can tell you no. why. Who, who brought that lawsuit? Was that a crime that was charged? Was that the civil lawsuit you're referring to? Uh, 
the legal, uh, I, let me see. Was that the civil law? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to find it. I, I'll, I'll find it in a second. I don't know. So, was that so Daniel's I, lawsuit? Because that's civil and it's a completely different issue. Um, I, I will find it in a second. No, are, you, are, are we re rediscussing the question of whether an impeachment needs to have a crime attached to it? No, I'm not. I'm saying that if, if, but if they had a crime. Listen, this is what's ridiculous about the Stormy Daniels. It doesn't, it doesn't need a crime. Hold on. I didn't say it needed a crime. I said that it's. I thought if, you did. No, what I said was that the, the, the vanilla impeachment is a crime. Abuse of power is something that is, nobody debates that you can be impeached for a crime. People do debate that you can be impeached for abuse of power. But he was. Right. But if you, if you have him dead to rights on bribery, there is no reason in the world you would not impeach him for it and say, simple. You, sure, there, sure there is. Do you want me to explain to you that reason? No, no, I, want, no I want to go on. I want to, I want to say this, that um, the, the Stormy Daniels case, if I understand, I mean, you had, you had a former chair of the FEC saying it, it was a, a ridiculous case because the following. The logic of that charge meant that Trump was supposed to take campaign funds and pay Stormy Daniels. In other words, a, a, little, a little old lady gives money to the Trump campaign, and then Trump writes a letter to pay off his mistress. No, 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 no. There were, that's not the only reason. Now, wait. So, now, of course, that would then, people would say, well, that sounds like a crime. You took campaign funds, and all of a sudden they would say, you used it for personal money. But more, but, but more importantly, all right, this, this is just, this is just we're, we're not going to settle this. He but was paying I, someone to influence the campaign. That was yeah, the crux of it. Yeah, but, but more importantly... No, Michael was, Cohen pled guilty to it. That is a charge that still stood. Right, but Michael Cohen was trying to get, keep his ass out of jail. But more importantly, when they asked Michael Cohen... That's what always happened. When they asked Michael Cohen, and he, he paid off many mistresses in the past, and when they asked Michael Cohen, um, what did Trump ask you to do? Trump said, take care of it. So did you, add, did you tell Trump there was a legal way to do it and an illegal? No, he said, just take care of it. Anyway, but this is the thing. You, you, oh, just, just before we leave this topic, you understand right. that in the, in, in the indictment that Cohen pled guilty to in federal court, yeah. Trump is individual number one, the co-conspirator. I, I, that, people are innocent of proven guilty. I don't, what, what, whether, they, whether Cohen tried to uh, imply that Trump was, I mean, this is, Yes, yes, I, 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 yeah, you're right, but that's not evidence of a crime. Because, because, somebody, because somebody names somebody as a co, you know, if Michael Cohen names- named him as the co-conspirator, not Michael Cohen. Dude, if, I, if, I get, if I'm trying to keep my ass out of jail for a crime and I say that Dan Natterman was in on it with me, that is not evidence that Dan Natterman committed a crime. But you understand that it's the grand jury that, that approved that indictment. And the, 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 that grand jury, the grand jury didn't indict Trump. The grand jury indicted Michael Cohen. That's right. And included a co-conspirator, individual right. number one, who is Donald Trump. Listen, like I said, there's a former, anybody can Google it, there's a former FEC commissioner who says this is not a crime. Jonathan Edwards was acquitted of a similar thing. The, the, um, who says what is not a crime? That says that- Who that says the thing that Michael, pled, Michael Cohen pled guilty to in federal court and was sentenced to is not a crime? Yes, he says that, that Trump Paying that the Trump pay, that 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 Trump paying Stormy Daniels is a personal expense, just like Trump capping his teeth in order to look better on camera, just like Trump pacing his house with, to look better for the electorate, just like anything that a candidate does 
to look better is a, that is, is a personal expense. He's being extorted. Someone had better go to Michael Cohen's judge then and tell him he sent someone to prison. When you have a consensual, when you have a consensual relationship with somebody and then you're running for office and that person comes and says, listen, I'm going to tell the world about this consensual relationship we had unless you pay me a million dollars. That's a personal expense. I'm thinking that you need to get a hold of the judge that sent Michael Cohen to prison and let him know he sent an innocent man to prison. Listen, if you, listen you're, you're putting the whole presumption of innocence on its head here. No, um, I'm not. No, Michael, Cohen, Michael Cohen may have committed a crime. I don't know what Michael... Anyway, listen, but this is where it gets interesting in your thing. We got so bogged down here. And this is where I, I really want to say and where I actually... She said, my best friend just called and discussed, say he did not recognize the country. Unfortunately, I do. It is the same country that built itself largely on the, black, on the backs of slaves who had their most basic human rights stolen and whose descendants more than 150 years after emancipation still carry the weight of the chains that held them down. Now, this is where I thought you crossed the line into something that actually disturbed me. The first part didn't disturb me because these are all reasonable people can differ issues. But what you seem to be saying there, I know quite a few Trump supporters. And what you seem to be saying there is that the only reason they could think that Trump was a better person than Biden was because somehow they are, you know, adjacent to slaveholders. What? Well, he said, how, how, you said, how could Trump get so many, you know, get so many votes because this is the same country that built its back, that built itself on the backs of slaves. Well, I said, I said three things among many, and one of them was that. And do you want me to explain what I meant by that? Yes, yes. What I meant by that is, and, and the other two things as well, which have nothing to do with slavery, yes. is th- my friend called and said, I cannot believe that people are watching these horrible things, that they've watched Trump for four years with the list of horrors that he's done, and now they're still voting for him. I, I, I just don't un- recognize this country. And my response is, but I do recognize this country. This country, as well as having a lot of wonderful qualities and things that we should be um, admired for and things that I do admire in this country, as a host of things that this country has accepted in the past that has been bad. One of those bad things is slavery. Another one of those things is anti-gay bias. And what was the third one that I mentioned? Oh, the, you know, the screaming at, at Mexicans to go back to their own country, even though they're here legitimately. Those are the three things that I mentioned of many that are indicative of a country that can do very bad things. And we need to accept that and try and change it. So you're not drawing any, any connection between people who support Trump now and slavery? No. What do you think motivates the average Trump voter to vote for Trump? The average Trump voter, I believe, is, and I, ha- I said this in another part of my article, I think that bigotry is part of what motivated and what does motivate Trump voters to vote for Trump. So if you're asking me that question, the answer is yes. Bigotry against? Bigotry against people who don't look like them. Bigotry against blacks, bigotry against Mexicans, bigotry against gay people. Um, I think that's a, a large component of what people were, were galvanized to in Donald Trump. I think he allowed them to express their bigotry. I think he allowed them to come out from the shadows 
because it has not been acceptable in civilized society for the last certain number of years. And he allowed them to march in the streets screaming, Jews will not replace us and not be wildly condemned and thought to be crazy. I think that's what he allowed. And I think that's in large part what people were drawn to because he's the one candidate that has allowed them to express this without complete and utter condemnation. Joe, well, I don't, this is obviously probably not what you expected to discuss necessarily, but do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, I don't think it's fair to take uh, a small group of Democrats that behave poorly and extrapolate that into all Democrats. And I think the same is true for Republicans or Trump supporters or whatever. There's a lot of people who voted for Trump because in a sense, there's a war between globalism and populism in this country. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I saw a factory uh, where they had to uh, train their replacement and they shipped the factory to China. And at the same time, politicians like Joe Biden were saying, this is good for us. So there's a million reasons why people vote, how they vote. There's a, uh, a big tent of Trump supporters. I know that that's a weird saying to, to You're people. right, Joe. I mean, there was a, Me there's Mexican, bo there's Texas border towns, which are predominantly Mexican that went for Trump. Who, who and, and let me say this, Joe, you're right in the sense that it isn't fair to say that every person who voted for Trump is a flaming racist. I, I completely agree with that. But broadly, I think that this is what Trump allowed. And you can either be a, an active racist with these beliefs or someone who tolerates these beliefs. I think that, that a lot of people who might not treat black people or gay people or Mexican people poorly are willing to tolerate that in Trump. And I find that to be unacceptable and the wrong thing to do. And, and you simply can't deny that because everyone knows what Trump is. At least in 2016, people could fool themselves into saying he will probably be very different when he's president. At the end of four years, we knew the exact measure of moral rot that existed to Trump's core and 74,000 people or so, 74 million people or so voted for him nonetheless. That's what I was talking about in my article. So, so, um, so let's just, again, let me say it. So, you know, you, listen, there's something to what you're saying. I don't mean to pretend that I, that nothing, that I think what you're saying is ridiculous. It's just a matter of finding the, the right ratio of it, because after all, so many Latino votes also turn towards Trump. So gay, listen, gay votes did too. There are, right. but, you know, there are gay people who are part of the law and having Republican. So, so let me, let me just, let me just say, cause I like to put it all on the record. So in the thing where Trump said, you know, good people on both sides, which I'm, I'm not defending that, but the truth is he also said in that same speech and it's not fair. And this is, where people on your side um, disturb me because I think the ultimate good faith in an argument is to steel man, as they say, the other side, which is to never leave out the best defense of the side that you're trying to criticize. Almost you need to, I think in a, in a moral universe, you would start with what I'm about to say if you want to still make the case against Trump. And, and I almost never hear anybody who wants to make the case against him just say, to be fair, that he also said the following. 
I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that other group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? So this is what always, this is what bothers me about the whole thing against Trump. It's like, there are millions, if not hundreds of millions of people who know that Trump said this thing about good people on both sides, who have absolutely no idea in, a, in two paragraphs later, he said what I just said. And that speaks to a press with an agenda rather than a press that seeks to you know bring out the facts and that's really a bad thing let me or, ask you no, let joe let joe let joe go ahead joe or, or the kids in cages which started under the obama administration due to a court decision about you you, you couldn't separate the kid it, it, it was it, it wasn't under the trump administration it started they held the photographs and until they were from the obama administration that's why during the debate trump said who built the cages joe Okay, can I ask you, was the statement that you just read from the same speech or was yeah, it? I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you as I go. I'm reading a PolitiFact, a PolitiFact uh, uh, in context, Donald Trump's very fine people on both sides remark transcript. And, and, he's got, and, and that's there. Yeah, that, you didn't even know. That's, I mean, you know, you should. No, no, I knew that he, I knew that there was a backtracking at some point, but I thought it was at a different time when he tried to clarify it. I felt well, that there were three statements. There was the crazy statement that he made, then I thought there was this backtracking, and then he undid the backtracking, if I remember correctly. Well, the, you're, I mean, you're, you're right. You're, you're right that there was something after where he kind of uh, said some, some, some dumb things again. Again, yeah. listen, this is my point, and I, and I think it's something we might, maybe we could even all agree on. I'm not telling you you have to think that Trump didn't say anything. I'm not even telling you you have to say that Trump doesn't support white nationalists. What I'm telling you is that when you want to, you can be a prosecutor and, and just bring out the, the facts which are good for your side, or you can be kind of like the way I would want to, you know, teach my kids to think, which is put everything out there on the table, the stuff that, that, that's good for my side, and then say, now, now make up your mind. He said I this, agree. but he also said, a good, you know, this, and we and very 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 few people for Trump especially ever put everything out there on the table. And let me say something. I'm going to make a concession. Yeah. So listen yeah. very closely because yeah. it happens very rarely. You are right in the sense that I agree with you. I think that if there are other things that reflect on what's said that we're condemning, it's appropriate to look at those other things, and we yeah. shouldn't hide those other things and ignore them. I absolutely give you that. Yeah. What I appreciate it, I, and and you're correct because it's not fair. And there have been times when I've done that in articles. You know, um, someone wrote an article uh, for the Root, which is uh, an African American paper. Um, Pete Buttigieg is a lying motherfucker, and oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh don't be. We like okay. you more now. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, that was. Pete Buttigieg is a lying MF. And so he took pieces of things and didn't include the other components to the puzzle, where if you pulled away, you would see that these other components that were important affected what was said originally. And I wrote an entire article about that because I absolutely agree with you. I think that you're right about that. Now, I let, me, that. But let me explain to you, when you're writing an op-ed column, it's not like writing a legal brief. So if I were writing a legal brief, I probably would drop a footnote saying, 
Trump said this god-awful, horrible thing, but later he said something that also, you know, was not god-awful and affected it. You don't do that as part of an op-ed. You know, normally I'm given 900 words and I'm always making my editor pull her hair out and, you know, getting us to 1,200 words when I shouldn't be. So you just don't do that. I mean, as an op-ed writer, you have a particular idea that you're going for. It doesn't mean that you're dishonest in what you're presenting, but you don't footnote everything that may cut against your idea in the smallest quantity. Okay, fair enough. Because listen, I hope we can get you on again because we got to, we got to, um, I want to bring up one thing and we got, then we got to let you go so we can have our, our other conversation. But, um, and after we go, I'm going to send you just the links to the things that I've uh, referred to, including the, the uh, FEC chair about um, Stormy Daniels. But let's just talk about COVID. Uh, you, you had said uh, that I, I have it here. Essentially, you, you, without having to go back and get the quote, that you, um, you know, that, that Trump was responsible for, uh, I don't know, what, what, how would you characterize what your feeling is about Trump on COVID and responsible for the deaths and stuff? So here's, here's sort of what you're saying. I don't blame Trump for the advent of COVID. I don't think Trump had anything to do with creating COVID. No, no, his policy. But what I do think is that his policy has been a failed policy in reacting to COVID. A lethal mismanagement of, of a pandemic. That's what you want. Well, yes. And so I, I am very comfortable saying, and I think most rational people are, that Trump botched the response to COVID. Not that he created it, not even that he could have potentially stopped it from coming to the United States, but the raging epidemic that is claiming 3,000 people a day, killing 3,000 people a day, and infecting 200,000 people a day in the United States is largely due to Trump's So let me, let me tell you, now listen, we've been very critical of Trump on this show about uh, COVID. We've been, we've been, we were early, uh, early uh, calls for lockdowns, and we were way, way, way ahead of the curve on masks. So um, you're not speaking to any kind oh, of... Uh, COVID, and I called and I called Alex Berenson a charlatan. So I'm with, you're not speaking to any kind of COVID deniers here. But here is where I have trouble um, in good faith agreeing with you. And I'll, I'll bring it up and then you, you tell me where I'm wrong. I've, essentially, I'm going to give you two, just two little portions of an argument. You can tell me where I'm wrong. This is the curve, I'm showing it here, of cumulative deaths attributed to COVID-19 in Europe. You've got you, you to pull back, pull it back. Okay, I, I'll, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rushing so much, I sound incoherent. Okay. Yeah, this it is looks the, like an abstract painting to me, but, okay. but go ahead. Cumulative death. Can you see it? Yeah. Cumulative deaths attributed to COVID 19 in the European Union, United States, France, and England. This is per capita. And if we look here, we see that England is here, high. France is basically is, is a touch higher than the United States, but basically the same as the United States. And, uh, and the European Union, which benefits from having Germany, is lower. So the first thing that comes to mind is that, well, uh, the absence of Trump, and Italy is even higher too, I didn't put Italy on it, the absence of Trump did not help England and France, and the European Union is basically, you know, neck and neck, with with America uh, in the last few months, and Italy is higher, and Brussels is higher. So the European Union looks way lower than the United. States. Yeah, but they, they've been going they've been going up and down per capita with us. But Europe, as I said, the European Union benefits from having Germany, which is I think the most populous country. And Germany 
you know, the Germans are, are you know, next to the Asians, they're, they're very good at, at a disciplined response. But then well, you add- Australia, New Zealand, also- They're not part of the, they're not, yeah. Control. Now, there have been other countries that are good, but England, countries that are comparable to us, but quite left-wing, France and England and Italy and Brussels, but let me bring the other thing yeah, in. Well, look at Boris Johnson, though. Look who's running England. It's Boris Johnson. Hold on. And then the, the other the, thing. The UK Trump. Hold on. Let me. I said I had two things. And I'll say, this is also from the New York Times. In the New York metro area alone, 21,800 people had died by May 3rd. Fewer than 4,300 would have died by then if control measures had been put into place. Um, all models are only estimates. Impossible to know for certain what the exact number of people would have died, says Lauren Myers of University of Texas at Austin. Um, but it makes a compelling case that even slightly earlier action in New York could have been game-changing. Quote, this implies that if interventions had occurred two weeks earlier, many COVID-19 death cases would have prevented by early May, not just in New York City, but throughout the United States, meaning that 30, 40,000 of those deaths are being attributed here in the New York Times to uh, New York and New Jersey, and particularly New York. So then you take these, those earlier stats and now lower the American deaths by 30 or 40,000. And then you do have us neck and neck with the European Union. Then you have us way out in front of France, way out in front of Germany. So you begin to say, well, then if Trump had done a good job, what will we be like, Japan or, you know, and then you say, well, that's just not plausible, is it, to think that the United States could have had a reaction on par with these isolated countries like Australia or something. I mean, you know what is plausible? What's yeah. plausible is that the leader of the United States could have said, everyone needs to wear masks. Yes. Me, I, I, me, and I'm going to wear one, too, as an example. All of the people who voted for me, I am asking you to protect yourselves, protect the people you love, protect Dude. the people in your family, protect Dude. strangers, wear Hold masks. Hold please. on. Hold on. Because he I, didn't. He Dude. did just the opposite. Hold on. I totally agree with you about that. As a matter of fact, he did worse than that in one aspect. He, he um, while Michigan was uh, being locked down, he was tweeting out free Michigan. Liberate. Yeah. Liberate. Yeah. Liberate Michigan. But my question is, and I ask myself my heart, I say, okay, I agree with all that. But if I look at the stats and look at the world and look at what's happening in other countries, does it really add up to um, a tr the lethal management of a pandemic? And also, if we are going to talk about the lethal management of a pandemic, what's going on that the people who were so angry with Trump give Mario Cuomo a total pass? Where, where you have the New York Times talking about tens of thousands, 20, 30, 40,000 deaths, and it, and it becomes pretty clear, we don't care about what Cuomo did because this is more about Trump than it is the lethal management of the pandemic. And, and I, am, I am to the right of everybody or to the left of everybody on, on handling COVID. I'm pro-lockdown, I'm pro-masks. I take it very, very seriously. Um, as I said, I'm not on the side of people who are, who are trying to make light of the epidemic. But I do have, I do find that the case that there's a but for causation that if only Trump had said wear masks, we'd be in a really different situation now. I don't think there's data 
Yeah, but you know what you're doing? You're teasing out one of many strands of the thread, and you're saying if Trump had, nothing would change if Trump had said where. Very little. Something would change, not much. Okay, so I don't believe I don't believe that very little would have changed if the president of the United States had told his cultist followers how important it is to wear masks early on. I don't think that very except, little would have except all the deaths were the, all the deaths were in states that were, didn't have his cultist followers. But it all is the deaths more were in than New that. York. It is, it is a whole series of things. There are many arms to the octopus. Masks are one of them. The idea of supporting individual governors and mayors who know that it's necessary to lock down and refusing to do that is another one. Pushing hydroxychloroquine, an unproven and ultimately determined to be detrimental medication, is another one. Failing to secure um, more vaccine in the summer when Pfizer said to Trump and his administration, would you like to secure more vaccine? And saying, nope, not us. Well, that wasn't Trump who did that, but you're right. That was a failure. That is the Trump administration. He's okay, responsible but, for his own administration. Okay, but look what you're doing here. Inject themselves with, suggesting people inject themselves with bleach. There is a whole he didn't panoply, suggest, listen. Okay, now, a whole listen. panoply of things that he failed on. Michael, and, he didn't suggest people inject themselves with bleach. He looked over at Dr. Burks and said, isn't it, isn't it some, isn't there some type of a disinfectant that could be injected that would knock this thing out? She looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about? He did he that, continuing. That, yeah, that's what he said. Isn't there some way, although it turned out there What's was the some, implication. Yeah, he he asked, isn't there some way we could use this in, inside? Although the truth is there was just a, a, a story in the news. I sent it around like, like three weeks ago where they actually have a new drug, which they're injecting a disinfectant in the lungs, which works. But besides, listen. Is it bleach? I, it, no, it's not bleach, but it's, but it's no, actually, you know what? I actually did some work, some studies on this. There actually is a study where they, where they um, aerated bleach in order to kill germs inside lungs at some point, but leaving this, I- Did they, but, did they kill the lung too? When the person no, no, I'll, say, I'll send you. But listen, what Trump said was ridiculous, but I'm, I'm just trying to be fair. Anyway. What I'm saying is that it isn't an individual thing. You have to look at the broader failure. And when you look at the broader failure, yeah, but there's up, some, down, left, and right, there's a lot of failure to be had. By but there's me. something you're doing here, which is really interesting. So you're, um, you're bringing up that Trump, uh, that somebody screwed up buying some extra doses. And we don't know the whole story on that, but it doesn't, you know. Well, some, the New York Times reported the story. I'm not, I'm not creating no. it. No, I'm not saying you may. I'm saying we don't know the whole story of who made the, who made, who dropped the ball, why they dropped the ball. Maybe that, maybe given the facts they knew at the time, it was. I don't know. Maybe it was because Trump hired Scott Atlas, the the discredited radiologist, not a virologist, to run the COVID task force team. And Scott Atlas got on television and said it's a good thing to get infected by COVID. Then we'll get herd immunity. It's great. Everyone should get themselves sir, infected sir. with COVID. Sir. We want to stick. We want to stay tethered to what we know. Maybe it was that. We know I, this. No, no, he's on TV saying it. We don't know why they didn't buy those doses or whose mistake it was. We don't know that, but it, obviously something went wrong. But things do go wrong. But here's the thing. But this is where this is where you lose credibility for me. And it's not because you bring that up, because there's articles here about how Operation Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed is credited by everybody in the know with being responsible for putting us way, way, way ahead of where we would be otherwise. So, and again, 
No, this is a Canadian. This is the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Um, no doubt, Operation War Speed is a huge success, says Ting Long Dai, associate professor at Johns Hopkins University. You can like or hate Trump administration, but no doubt it's a huge success. Jesse Goodman, the former chief scientist of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, agreed. The U.S. government deserves tremendous credit for the high priority place in Operation War Speed. It does for the Moderna Hold on. vaccine. This the is a bright Pfizer spot. Vaccine, this is, Pfizer let me read it. Not, the first vaccine, Pfizer, was not funded by Operation it, War yeah, but, Speed. But this, I read it. This the, is, the distribution of it was. This is a bright spot in the pandemic response. I mean, the rest of it has been dismal, said Goodman, but Operation War Speed is not. And then there's actually articles out there, you can see them, which said that Pfizer, although they didn't take the money, still benefited from the infrastructure of Operation War Speed. The point is this. You can cherry pick something that went wrong but if you don't want to also give the devil his due so no, no, you know no. what so, if so they, imagine so, imagine if you had the article that said that somebody suggested operation warp speed and trump turned it down you would you, certainly you would certainly run with that article second oh. concession coming your way so okay. stop talking for a minute and i'll give okay. you my second concession the second concession is yeah. there are aspects to Operation Warp Speed that have been very helpful. You yeah. are absolutely correct on that. One of them is that Operation Warp Speed was funding part of the Moderna vaccine. It did not fund the research in the Pfizer vaccine, which is the first vaccine that's going to get released. The other thing is that Operation Warp Speed allegedly created an in infrastructure that's going to allow for a better distribution. So I will give you that. There is, I never said, and I- Michael, really you're killing me. Why? With his concessions to you. Yeah, I mean, because he's an intellectually <laughs> honest guy. I, I think that we need, given the two concessions, I think we need to end this when we do with, again, how much younger I look than 60. <laughs> because that will be reasonable compensation for the concessions. But I never said that everything that happened under Trump is bad. That I will not say I that. I said that. No, I was the one who said that. Well, most of the things that happened under Trump are bad. Most of the things are horrific. And with respect to how the pandemic uh, progressed in the United States, Trump deserves a lot of the blame. Okay, that doesn't gonna, mean he deserves all the blame. We're going to wrap it up. I, you're gonna, you should be a guest on our show again because I, I, I think you're, you're tough, you're smart, and you're, and you're the kind of person I can disagree with in a pleasant way. Which and is, you uh, agree with me. And you agree with him. The most important and, part, yeah. And, and, I, and I do want to send you, I do want to make e email contact with you and send you some things, but I just want to um, reiterate that it's not that, I, it's not that I think everything you say about Trump is out to lunch. I just would not place my uh, dial in the red, quite uh, in, in the bright red as you do. I, I would put it somewhere more in the middle. I think that a lot of these things have nuance. And I, and I also, yeah, I'm in blood red. You're right. Yeah, I and I and I discount. I discount certain things in the just because I, I feel like Trump is a blowhard. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think that I think I think. But wait a minute. This is an important point. Yeah. People have for years made that concession to him. This notion that he's sort of this innocuous, unimportant, non-malignant type of entity because there's a lot of puffery and ridiculousness that goes on around him, neglects to hold him accountable for the many, many horrific things that are not just him being a blowhard, but are him being really evil in many substantial ways. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to let that stand, even though I, that's, I wouldn't say he's innocuous, but I, anyway. 
Um, all right. Anything else you want to take up with uh, this very tough adversary we got here? No, I love him, though. <laughs> just reiterate that he does not look that, that like he's nearing 60. Uh, it was all worth it. That alone made it all <laughs> worth it. I assume you hear that a fair amount. He's also got muscle. I'm looking at a picture of him on his Twitter profile. He's also jacked. He's got huge biceps. <laughs> Listen, listen, the thing that I'm most upset about now, and this is a joke, so please, people do not write me, is that this is one of the very first times in the last nine months I've worn anything other than sweats. I have existed in sweats for nine months. But the thing that makes me most unhappy is that when I put on these jeans after nine months of not wearing them, I discovered that someone has been breaking into my house when I'm out at the grocery store and taking all of my jeans in two inches. I don't know how this happened, but yes, I look decent in that picture. I'm not sure I still look decent in real life. Oh, here it is. It, this is from biospace.com, but it's covered other places. Inexpensive nasal spray convince, prevents COVID-19 infection in ferrets. Um, I, I didn't even know ferrets oh, were getting- In ferrets, really? Well, that's how, that's how studies start, Perio. Well, then, listen, clearly that justifies Trump saying inject human beings with bleach. I, I understand now, got but it. He didn't say, but he never said, but he says anyway, intranasal, uh, there's, a, there's a spray and the pathogen uses the spike protein to attach, it attaches inside the lungs, fusing to the cell wall in order to prevent COVID. My point is that when, when Trump was, was, was um, dumbly and recklessly speculating out loud, is there any way we could use that inside the lungs? It was, it was a layman's, it was, a, it, was, it was an idiotic thing for a president to say. But we at the can time- stop there. Right, so we we stop all there. agree. Yeah, but, but, but the thing is, the but they, part of that? no, because, because a president shouldn't speculate. But what, what would bother me about that moment, I remember, is that I remember saying at the time, well, if someone had said that to me, like in conversation, listen, do you think there's any way they could, bleach seems to kill COVID, is there any way they could use that inside the lungs? I wouldn't say, what are you, some kind of fucking idiot? I'd be like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, maybe if you dilute it, you could breathe it in, I don't know, I'm not a scientist. But I wouldn't I speculate out that, loud. I don't dispute that bleach would kill COVID. I mean, we know that, yeah. but it also kills human tissue and cells. Yeah, so does, chemo, so does chemotherapy. And, and that's the problem with chemotherapy, but there's yeah. a very tight balance that's created to kill the cancer and not the human cells. And for the president of the United States to sit on television and look over at Dr. Burks and say, hmm, what do you think about the idea of injecting bleach? He didn't say injecting bleach. <laughs> he said, what, what, do you, what did he say exactly? He I said, don't remember. Uh, he, the implication was injecting bleach. Did anyone come away with anything other than the idea is the guy is contemplating injecting bleach? No. Well, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't hung, get hung up on the word injecting. I, I would. He was trying to say was there some way to use bleach in the lungs? I don't know if he meant an injection. Listen, maybe, yeah, listen. Yeah. I have to interject here because I have to promised yeah. Joe that we yeah. would not be going on about Trump for. Okay, we got to go. Oh, I didn't know we promised him that. Okay, let's go. We I didn't. Have, and it's it's my fault, Joe. I'm no. I didn't know he promised him that. What the fuck? Why didn't you tell me? I have a show at 8.30. Okay, Michael, we're going to let you go. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to email you. We'll, we'll, we'll speak again, I hope. Thank you, Michael. Are you, are you located in New York? Uh, no, no, no. L.A. is where I have a house and most okay. of my stuff, but I travel around a lot now. Well, when you come to New York and, and uh, once uh, we have the vaccine, I hope you, you, we can meet in person. You come down to the Comedy Cellar. I would love to. 
Okay, all right, take it easy. I'll email you. Thank you, Michael. Take it. Okay, care. eject him. Eject him, Perry, real quick. Eject. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye. It's nice to meet you. Bye, bye. <laughs> okay, I, Joe. I'm sorry we did. I didn't know Joe didn't want to talk about Trump. Why would you bring Joe on a show where the guy wrote a column about Trump and tell him we're not going to talk about Trump? Oh, I no. didn't know who it was. I, and it's not, she promised me. I was just like, oh, God, this again. <laughs> I said we weren't going to talk about it for the whole time, and you made a liar out of me. Well, we talk about, this guy wrote a column on Trump. All right, go ahead. That's it. That's anyway. it. Hopefully that's it for Trump. We can be done with Trump. I, was, uh, I have a show at 8, it's 8.10 now in Aruba, uh, 7.10 on the East Coast of the United States. I have a show at 8.30 Aruba time. Okay, so let's get to it. What's up with Joe Mackey? Uh, I'm doing some road work. Uh, you know, to speak to the last conversation about the COVID, uh, yeah. a lot of the judicial power to create these lockdowns comes from Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And that was from the turn of the last century. It was a smallpox uh, vaccination case. And it was in Boston. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry about that. But smallpox was killing about 17% of the people in Boston, COVID is consensus killing less than 1% of the people who get it. Uh, some say a significant amount less. Uh, so I, one thing he pointed out in, in his article, and I, I don't think it's really fair to, to bring it up without him being here, honestly, but- uh, might as well. It's okay, it's okay. It, 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 and it's a notion I, I get a lot where it's like, a lot of people don't think COVID is, is real, and it's not that. It's that uh, we question whether uh, the government has the, the authority to continue these lockdowns. And he's in California, a state that's never allowed indoor dining, and they're having a spike. And the University of Oxford published a study that said maybe masks aren't that effective. So the idea that people say follow the science or you're not following the science is kind of, kind of stupid to me because it's like saying, well, when they said don't wear a mask, I didn't. And when they said wear a mask, I did. Uh, and that's what I've been doing. I've been going and getting the COVID tests. I think it's real. I think it's dangerous, uh, especially for, for certain vulnerable populations. If you have comorbidities like diabetes or you're overweight or you're over 65. Uh, and I think we should be taking it seriously. But at the same time, uh, I don't believe the constitution went out the window. So uh, I, I'm doing amazing. some real work. I'm respecting the, the, the rules of the local municipalities. Uh, it's amazing that, that comedians of all people make more sense Talk more clearly. Well, it's it's ninety percent of the of the intellectuals I, I hear out there. We got Joe Mackey. Who knew Joe Mackey? Uh, was, what he was saying about Trump supporters, you could say, well, do Biden supporters not care about slavery in China? It's not fair to label people all or nothing on one thing. You know, based on one thing when there's a multifaceted approach. Like, uh, is it fair that people are committing suicide? Is it fair that they're missing their heart stress tests? Uh, it's it's a very complicated issue, and COVID is definitely real. I'm not denying that. It's just much much bigger than red state, blue state, uh, Republican, Democrat. It, it gets frustrating to me that people, uh, and I understand he's right. He's got a limited amount, and you don't become an op-ed writer by being in the middle. You you become an op-ed writer. You get readers by having a strong opinion one way or another. Got a corollary to that. You don't get millions of podcast listeners. By being nuanced. That's that's a, that's probably a good point, but I do think I do think there's a market for that. I do think there's a market for fair-minded. I I appreciate that Noam is is willing to 
debate people, but also give give a little. Uh, and I, I thought that the, the same as Mr. Stern. I, I felt like he was pretty fair-minded. I'm telling you that these are some of the best discussions you're going to find in podcasting. And I don't know how many people are listening to this because they're all listening to Joe Rogan. But what the hell is he saying that's so goddamn interesting that he gets 10 million listeners and we get a paltry however many we get? Hey, don't hate on how many listeners we get. Anyway, I'm preaching to the converted because whoever's listening is listening. Oh, can I make, can I make one more point? Of yeah, of course. That's why you're here. Make more than one more point. He, he talked about the polls a little bit. And the day before the election, I, I made a tweet that I regret uh, because I was seeing a lot of pundits say the polls are right this time. And their justification for it was look at all the other polls that agree. <laughs> and I spelled rationale wrong. I left off the E so it I said the rational, uh, but uh, the point is no one was doing their due diligence. If you bothered to look at the cross tabs of the polls, you would learn two things. But one, polls have to make unscientific assertions. For instance, what percentage of independents are gonna go which way? And they have to weight it. And a lot of times the weighting doesn't make any sense. They'll weight a poll D9 in an R1 state. It just, that's how you get Wisconsin coming up 17%. And they'll say, oh, shy Trump voter. And it's like, maybe it is. But maybe the methodology of the polls were flawed. And there's conspiracy theories around that. I don't believe that. I think it's just a lot of, it's, it's hard to do, especially without landlines anymore. And it, 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 polls take a lot of unscientific assertion. Other than satisfying curiosity mm -hmm. and the fact that we have freedom to inquire and to investigate, are polls beneficial to society? What is, what is the point of a poll except to put seeds into people's minds and, and, and you know, like, well, he's going to win anyway, so fuck it, I'm not voting, or to get people to, I mean, is there, is there a benefit to society benefit from having polls? I mean, weren't the polls saying that Hillary Clinton, sorry. I'm not saying you should outlaw polls. We have the freedom to, to poll. It's freedom, but but I don't know that they do any 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 good for society. I just don't understand how it's possible that they're so consistently inaccurate, and like we still look at them. Like, weren't they saying like Hillary Clinton was going to win by a landslide? We heard the same thing about Joe Biden, the blue wave. He like barely fucking. I think, I think that they have value, but then you shouldn't take them as as uh, as scripture. I also think well, it's they're not, they're not complete bollocks, just it, like a weather report, but they have validity, you know, but they're not perfect. It's an easy story too. And right now you're at a time where a lot of people aren't doing their due diligence. Like uh, uh, there was a story, uh, Joe Biden uh, pulls negative ads when Trump was diagnosed with COVID. It wasn't true. They just read the press release and took it as true. And I'm sure there's a million opportunities. Uh, that one came to mind, but you can find about the Trump administration where people didn't do due diligence, but like it, you, you have all these experts that are wrong a lot. And people don't trust institutions anymore. And institutions haven't been giving them a lot of good reasons to trust Does anybody. Them. Can we take a quick poll here? Who thinks Joe voted for Trump? Raise your hand. No, 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 don't, don't do that, Dan. First of all, you, I don't know why you can insist on doing something like that because you, you, he can always deny it if he did, and he doesn't want to admit it. He of course he can deny it, but, but why, why even, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a... Because it's fascinating to me. Yes, but it's also reckless to... You do not condemn Trump voters. 
You know, I, I, the last I got the question why. What's that? As a comedian, you shouldn't want to poison the well. You should want to go out there not knowing what someone's going to say or what they're going to think. Because honestly, that's evolving over time. And just like when Noam said Periel thinks one way, it's like, why poison the well? Let Periel say what she thinks. And if you agree, great. If not, but like, it was on a case-by-case -case basis. I don't know. I, I think that people are, are nuts right now. And, you know, anybody in show business who wants anybody to even suspect that they might have voted for Trump it's got a death wish. You can't, you can't, unless you want to be Nick DiPaolo and, you know, and, and, and cater to a, you know, a particular audience. Um, you know, cancel culture is real, right? No, that can get you, can. it can get you canceled for disagreeing that cancel culture is real. So I would say it's pretty real. Joe Mackey, first of all, I apologize to Joe Mackey if he was upset by, by, by what I said. Joe Mackey is so pure of heart that even if it came out that he voted for Trump, the only effect that would have is to make Trump voters look better. <laughs> That's how pure of heart he is. It would be like Brian Hamilton saying he voted for Trump. People would be like, oh, I, I don't need I don't Trump's not that bad, bad after all. Yeah, I that, also don't think I'm that, that pure of heart. We're comedians, we're scoundrels, we're narcissists. We think it's people should listen to us talk. Well, I mean, we do have that, but, but, but. <laughs> The point is that the level of credibility that you bring to the table with your rationality and your, your decency is very, very high. I appreciate that, but I thought uh, your guest tonight was pretty rational as well. Credibility well, is I, I don't know about that. I think Noam, I hate to say it, I think Noam embarrassed the guy. I mean, I, you know. I know, absolutely not. I don't think people would think I, that at all. I didn't get that impression. I thought he handled had to pick a winner in, today, in tonight's uh, belt. Well, that might be because you that, that might be because you you tend to agree with me. Periel probably thinks I got my my clock clean, but that's not the point. The point no, is I, that I actually think that it's really, and I wanted to say this to Joe earlier, so I'm happy to have the opportunity to say it now. I actually think it's really nice and really important to be able to have these kinds of conversations. Because I think that it's it's easy to you know go railing against something and just say this is all one way or this is all the other way. But the truth is, and you know, everybody knows how I feel about Trump. But um, I I do think it's important to be able to have like these conversations, and I think that the country would be in a much better place if we. One point I wanted to make when he said that Trump voters, even if they're not racist are okay with Trump's racism. And he made that point. Uh, one counterpoint I wanted to make is, is it ever okay to vote for somebody who is racist, assuming Trump was racist? In a, in a, in a is, it, is that ever okay? Are there ever other considerations that are so overwhelming that racism is preferable? Is racism preferable to mass unemployment, to communism? I mean, I'm not saying that this is what's, that, that's a tough question. I would say that somebody who has a, an, a racial agenda has to be disqualified. Someone who's, who's seeking office in order to take action against a group of people based on their immutable characteristics because of his personal resentments of those people, bigoted resentments of those people. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't find anything more damaging to America. As a matter of fact, during the during the impeachment arguments, I remember thinking that uh, if it came out, because there's been this rumor that Trump actually used the N-word, 
even though that's not maybe not impeachable according to the Constitution, I would think that would be a more impeachable offense than trying to research, you know, Hunter Biden. Because how can a president use the N-word? You can't, you can't be the president anymore, you know? But having said that, um, reasonable people can differ significantly about whether Trump can be considered to be what I just described. I, I don't think he can be, be fairly described that way. And, and um, look, a lot, of, a lot of black people became new Trump voters, maybe not a lot, but a significant number of black people became new Trump voters. So they, they don't see it that way, you know? And, well, a, and, lot, a lot do though, I mean, to be fair. I, tr Trump doesn't have, I mean, what, a, what would someone who fits the description of what I just said have been the president to pass that law to, to change, to reform criminal justice system that was being advocated by Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, you know, essentially to help black people, you know, who would be the victims of mass incarceration. That's just not what you, you know, that's just not what a, what a, a guy with a, an agenda against black people does, right? So it's just not that I simple. I think there are lots of different ways to be racist, Noam. Yeah, but you know what? Barack Obama was cozying up with Reverend Wright. One ha these things are not, I mean, one oh, has- Oh, yes, they have very much to do with each other because if we're, gonna, if we're gonna have a standard, let's have a standard. So Barack Obama had this friend, Reverend Wright, who, was, uh, who, who, who called Farrakhan a great man, who said that Farrakhan spoke the truth, who, you know, uh, forget about the goddamn America, who was pro-Hamas, had all kinds of anti-Semitic uh, stuff. And Obama recently, when he was interviewed about Reverend Wright, says, well, you know, he was taken out of context. Now, there's nothing in Trump's past to rival Obama's relationship with Reverend Wright. And he, and he disassociated himself with him in, 20, in 2008, but now he's, he's revisionist. Now Obama's saying, well, if it had happened now, you know, it was too, too complicated to explain Reverend Wright. So you tell me that if Trump didn't, if Trump had a mentor, not just someone who he paid, played political footsie with, someone he dedicated his book to, someone who named the book after one of their phrases, someone he chose to baptize his children. Go ahead, Joe, you wanna say something? They, uh, the media sat on the picture of them together as well till after. Oh, Obama and Farrakhan, that's right. They, that the yeah. Los Angeles Times had the picture. So if you wanna tell me that Obama would have been, been treated by that same standard you put, then fine, then I'm all for it. But it's okay. not the case. It's not the fucking case. And there's nothing, there's nothing in Trump's association to rival the closeness that Obama had with a known anti-Semite. Nothing. Nothing. Well, come on now. Let's all let's play, let's let's be grown-ups here. I am being a grown-up, and again, I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. I'm not saying anything about Obama's relationship with Farrakhan. I like I said, I think there are lots of different ways to allow, excuse, and enable racism. All right, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, Trump, listen, Dan, I want, are you, what uh, Dan is spraying, mouth spray? Just, Look at him, he just changed. Spray, like he looks so handsome. But I'm getting ready for a show. You need, uh, need good breath for, for your comedy? Because <laughs> I was goofing around, like here I am, like, you know, I'm in the mirror. Oh, okay. Checking my look in the mirror. Check my look in the mirror. Look Dan, is, is it so nice to be on stage again? I never liked being on stage. I was in the sitcom. <laughs> I'm not like these young guys, like fucking, uh, you know, uh, Marill, who loves, he loves it. He, he, he just, like, he's eating a delicious meal. He's like a foie gras. He's, he, 
he loves the stand up. I was never like that. These these, these young guys, the Mackies, the Hamilton, not the Hamiltons, but the Mackies, the Marils, the Normans, they love it. They love it. I got in it because I saw Seinfeld was making $80 billion a week on a sitcom. <laughs> I said, I can do this. Anyway, I got to go. Uh, if you want to continue, continue. I hate, I, you know me, I don't like when people doing the no, show without me. We, we got to wrap it up. But I just wanted to say that we're not getting full use of Joe Mackey. Maybe you come on again next week or something because I love Joe Mackey so much. And, and you know, um, Joe Mackey was such a reasonable, politically astute individual. We know he's funny, sure. Funny. I'm, not, I'm not great on these shows. I can't seem to interrupt her at the right time or get my two cents in. I'm just not good at it. I feel like I'm not good at it. I get self-conscious. You, you're right. You were not good. You were great. Oh, thanks. Well, Joe, you think I'm great? Catch me in Salt Lake City. I'm wearing a mask. I'll wear your masks. Lake. And so you got the Mormon to go. This Joe, is you, you may. Go ahead. Sorry, Gary. Sorry, go ahead. Anyway, I got to go. So if you, you want to go all at once, or should I go? No, well, well, you, you go. We're going to talk about you after, yeah, just yeah, like you right. talked about our guest. <laughs> Joe, where can everybody find you and all your dates? Uh, just joemackey.com, spelled M-A-C-H-I. But I'm not finished. I know. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there. Jesus. I wanted to say that uh, Joe identified, what is it called? The, the Peter Principle? Where like people, the worst rise to the top in an organization. There is something about smart people. You know, being less sure of yourself is, is uh, often a, a characteristic of intelligence because things are not that simple and there's two sides to most issues. And what happens is that people who are shallower and uh, ready just to speak with authority often rise to the top of, of politics. They, they, they get more time on in conversations. As Dan was saying before, they're able to attract bigger podcast audiences because there's a market for simplistic red meat. And people like Joe, and also like our friend Coleman Hughes, who was on the Bill Maher show and didn't speak as much as we would have liked him to, um, suffer from the same thing, which is that they're, they're a little more, more humble. They're thinking about things rather than just reacting reflexively. And, um, as, and as, as I said, there's more humility to them. So, also, yes. I, thought, I appreciate that. I thought you and uh, I believe it's Michael Stern were having a great debate. And Sometimes it's, just, it's better to just let people talk, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, but I would have appreciated more Joe Mackey. And, I, you know, Dan is a fuck. You know, like, why would Dan, like, we have a, we have a nice guest who none of us are being um, obsequious or phony when we say we liked him as a guest. Or we, we thought he was smart and, you know, was a, was a pleasant debater, you know, whatever it is. And Dan has to go and say something, you know, s snotty, for lack of a better word, you know. What's the matter with him? What did he say that was snotty? Like, I think, you know, I, th I think he got embarrassed. Like, like shut up, Dan. First of all, it's not true. Second of all, even if it were true, which I really don't think it was, even if it were true, it's not gracious to say that. Someone was a guest on your show. Well, we can edit it out. No, no, I, 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 I don't think it's necessary because I don't think any, I don't think any, any listener is going to think that way. Um, just, I don't understand him. He does that all the time. It's like well, the time. It's like the time years ago when he saw me with a really, really hot girl, <laughs> and he says to me in front of her, he "Goes, does she know how old you are?" <laughs> 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 he said that right, right in front of her. Like, what the fuck is with you, Dan? 
Well, isn't that part of his charm? Yes, it is. You're right. That is part of his charm. But it's an issue. I mean, you know that movie, You Bet Your... Was it uh, you, you Bet Your... No. This is, you Bet Your Life. What, the Albert Brooks movie. Where everybody's where, where, where trying to get into heaven. Defending Your Life. You guys haven't seen that movie? I haven't seen it. Oh, you should watch it, Joe. You would love it. And and they in the movie, like you have to you have to you have to make the case as to why you should be allowed into heaven. And it's a it's a courtroom situation. And on the video, on the TV monitor, they bring up classic moments from your childhood that turn out to be pivotal in why you've become the person that you've become. And it, and it's just great. But like I would just love to see there's gotta be some moments in Dan Natterman's past that shaped him, you know. You just love to see that. Like it turns out in Harry Potter that Snape was bullied as a child. Do you know this? Do you follow Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh anyway. boy, this is bad. <laughs> culture illiteracy. No, I have an eight-year-old. This is why I know this stuff, not from illiteracy. Anyway, well, and um, Periel's busy reading, you know, Philip Roth. So, okay. Are we finished here? Perry, Periel almost banged Philip Roth, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's taking a <laughs> lot of liberty. <laughs> She, she was on the bed naked and he didn't, he decided to leave. <laughs> Something like that. All right, Joe, I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of COVID going around uh, comedians, Joe. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, even comedians I know that have been very careful uh, have come down with it. I don't want to say their names, uh, but uh, I, I get tested every week. Uh, I wear my mask and uh, uh, I mean, this is awful. This is awful just for everybody. I, I hope everyone can get through this. I hope all your families are safe. I had wanted to bring up this stat. I actually had it up on the, on the thing, but I didn't bring it up, but it's, it is worth, I mean, it's so stunning. It really is worth reminding everybody that out of, what is this on this graphic I have here, 200 and 261,000 deaths. Is that the right current number of COVID deaths? Something like that. It's probably around there. Yeah. Uh, out of 261,000 COVID deaths, um, under one year of age, 29, under, under, four, under 54, 13,000. If you go from 13,000 to zero, there's approximately 13, 17, 18. Under, it looks like it's under 20,000 deaths from, 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 55, from 54 down. Over 80. 82,000, over 75, seven, between 75 and 84, 70,000. It is so weighted towards the very old. It does make you wonder whether or not there wasn't a better way to protect the high-risk population yeah. rather than to shut down the, the entire country. Yeah, but, quarterbacking. Yeah. I, I think that I think all these politicians did their best, and I agree that Trump didn't look good. I agree that Cuomo didn't look good. I, I think they did their best. I I really didn't appreciate Trump's bombast during the press conferences, but I don't know that that's all to blame. And I, I think ha if we had it to do over again, maybe trying to quarantine the vulnerable would have been a better course of action. But they, they, they should, they should, I couldn't do their job. They should create nursing homes for these vulnerable people. That's <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But but um, on the other hand, I, you know, you can't just write off everybody over the age of seventy and say, "Well, you know, so sorry." Uh, right. You can't do that. That's 
And, and you know, it's interesting. The people who seem to be implying that, and there are many people who do seem to imply that, a lot of these people are pro-life. You know, it, you know, they, they talk about this, the sacredness of, of every life, but they do seem ready kind of to be done with the aged sometime. Maybe that's not fair, but, but I, I get that feeling sometimes. Anyway, it'll be all be over soon. The, the, the biggest outrage is that they're taking so long with these, with these uh, checks that people need, the Good sustenance. Lord, I mean, uh, this is nine months and a third of the business. I think I read a third of the restaurants in New York will never reopen and it's criminal. Uh, I mean, in the constitution, they're supposed to pay em eminent domain. That's right. And if they're taking your saying you can't open your business for public good to me, that sounds like eminent domain. So I, it doesn't seem right to me. I agree with you a thousand percent. People should look at it more as eminent domain. If it's not exactly, it's, it's closer to that than it is. They use the word stimulus all the time. It's yeah. Stimulus. It's not a stimulus. It's a sustenance. They, they say, we're closing that. And therefore, we're going to give you some money because we expect you to you know, survive. I, just, I, think, I think all the, the politicians we were just talking about owe us a thanks at the end of this because they're the ones that didn't have to sacrifice their job or their income. And I guess they did get criticism and somewhat unfairly, I think, because I do believe they were doing their best. But uh, it, it seems like the government doesn't have to sacrifice like the rest of us. No, Joel, I think you're absolutely right. I don't know if they had to sacrifice like the rest. I mean, Noam and I were just talking about this. You have these politicians who are all of these people getting caught doing these things that they're demanding that we don't do. Yeah. And then you see them, you know, getting their hair done, getting their nails done in restaurants. I mean, it's crazy. I've barely left my house in nine months. I mean, that's a little bit hyperbolic, but you know, not, mu not by much. Yeah. The, these politicians that are out there uh, in restaurants and, and I mean, governor fucking Cuomo talking about bringing his mother to his house for Thanksgiving right after he said he was going to, you know, everybody should stay home for Thanksgiving. These people are despicable. These people are despicable. Was that caught on tape or was that? Yeah, and then he changed his plans. He, he, he said it out loud by accident. I, uh, listen, and also, what, what was the other thing they do? They, they, ugh, my, my, my mind's going, but yeah, they're, they're just hypocrites. And, um, oh, the, and Pelosi, Bernie Your Sanders. Your mind is not going. Will you listen, stop Bernie saying Sa Bernie, Bernie Sanders uh, said on um, CNN the other day, he admitted that, essentially admitted that the Democrats would refuse to go along with the $1.8 trillion bailout prior to the election. Obviously, because they didn't want to give Trump any kind of victory prior to election day. And now they're going to have to settle for half that because now, now all the incentives are flipped. Now the Republicans don't give a shit and the, the, the Democrats w want this. But I mean, it's just, it's reprehensible that she was playing politics with that. Trump was ready to sign it. Uh, that that's that's actually horrible. Horrible, horrible. And I and I'm not saying the Republicans are any better. It just it's just whatever the incentives are at that particular moment in time in the month prior to election day. No one was it, coming to get together for the good of the people. Like, yeah. In the month prior to election day, they, the incentives were such that the Democrats were worried about giving Trump anything he could brag about. And of course their number one priority is to stay in business, just like my number one priority is to stay in business. And staying in business means re-election. So that's, that's it. Anyway, all right, Joe Mackey, um, it's nice to see you, Joe. 
You too. I, I hope you two are hanging in there. It was great to see you. Yeah, it was really we're, nice to see you. We're gonna be okay. Okay, good night, everybody. And you can email us, know them where. Uh, podcast at comedyseller.com. And happy Hanukkah, everybody. Hanukkah starts tomorrow night. Oh, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. And email us your questions, concerns, dreams, hopes, ideas. Actually, Joe, you know, Friday night I had the pleasure of being invited to Periel's house for Hanukkah dinner. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to go. Well, First I, of all, you, you, you better clarify that for everybody who's listening that sounds like we're like, you know, casually having get-togethers. Oh, no. Perry, this is the only family we socialize with because we're, we're all in lockdown. We all, we, we, there's, you know, two, two households that are in lockdown. But the thing is, and it's not, nothing to do with Perry Ellen and her husband and, and family because they're, they couldn't be more wonderful. I just found that I don't want to leave the house anymore. He's, I just, he's becoming agoraphobic. Yeah. Ah. yeah, I don't like cashmere either. Anyway, what do you mean? All uh, you wear is cashmere. Is, is it agora? Isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, agora. Ha! <laughs> funny. You always make fun of a joke you didn't pick up on. <laughs> All right, but anyway, I, I, it's something to talk about also because really, I don't want to leave the house. Anyway, we gotta go. We gotta go. Take care. Bye, Bye everyone. Um, Bye. at live from the table on Instagram. Happy Hanukkah.